Hello everyone and welcome to this Chemical Conversations podcast for our Benzene Outlook, brought to you by Argus Media. I'm James Elliott, Business Development Manager for European Chemicals, and I'm joined by Simon Palmer, Vice President Aromatics, who is our lead benzene expert, and Jason Falk, our lead analyst. Simon, we've seen a lot of volatility in the benzene market over the last two years. So let me kick off by asking you, what is the overall direction of the market in the next 12 months and the biggest factors underlying that trend right now? Yeah, thanks, James. I think there's a couple of key comments here, one of which is that the last couple of years have seen tremendous disruption in the production and consumption of benzene. And that's one of the reasons that you've seen a lot of price volatility and unwinding ourselves from a lot of the fallout of that disruption is still ongoing and is going to take at least the rest of this year to work its way through. Uh, The other reason is that uh, the underlying price of crude oil and refined products is the tide that lifts all boats. And generally in a volatile oil and gas market, you will have volatile prices on benzene and the other derivatives. And in the light of the current situation in the Ukraine and the volatility in the crude and natural gas markets, you'll expect to see a lot of that volatility continue and that will slow down the stabilization of the underlying supply and demand in the marketplace. Thanks, Simon. And I guess a related question to that. Are there any major expansion projects or regulatory policies that could meaningly affect prices and trade flows in the months ahead? In overall terms, uh, benzene is a is a highly regulated petrochemical because of the nature of the product itself and as such has been regulated in the use in the fuels market. But a lot of that is water under the bridge and the industry has adapted to that. So there aren't any significant changes coming that might impact the supply of benzene and its recovery from the fuels markets around the world. In terms of the uh, consumption of the products, there are a number of derivatives of benzene that are consumed in large quantities in single-use plastics applications. And obviously, uh, there's the whole topic of how the concentration on plastic waste recycling and recirculating hydrocarbons back to source could have an impact on demand. But I think in terms of the market overall, probably the biggest impact has been the expansion of production capacity in China, specifically some uh, what we would term a mega projects in China that are converting crude oil for the specific purpose of making paraxylene, which is used in the polyester industry. And these are huge facilities that produce multi-million tons of paraxylene per train. And a fair amount of benzene is kicked off of these complexes in the process of producing paraxylene. And this has abnormally boosted the supply of benzene and catalyzed investment in derivatives in China. And China historically has been a large importer of benzene and derivatives. And the amount of imports that China is now needing is going down and down each year. And that's having a fundamental impact on the way in which benzene moves around the world. Great. Thanks for that, Simon. Really interesting answer. Now, if we just consider the benzene outlook and move to a question on this, 
What's your favorite element of the Benzene Outlook service? Maybe it's a piece of information or visual that readers might miss or might not recognize. Jason, please feel free to add any further thoughts you may have here too. I think the most interesting element of the Outlook specifically to Benzene is the fact that Benzene is at best a co-product, but in reality is a byproduct of the process of either refining crude oil for fuel products or making petrochemicals like ethylene or in making metallurgical coke for blast furnaces for processing steel. And as a byproduct, there really isn't an easy way of cranking the handle to produce a benzene price forecast. In essence, what you have to do is really set the boundaries and then use supply-demand forecasts to try and forecast which direction you expect the market to go based on the balances and based on the fact that the product can move relatively easily between the major regions to balance. I think that's the most interesting part about the outlook, not specific to the outlook itself, but really specific to the product that we're trying to forecast. Yeah, I'd like to second Simon's sentiment around the balances, the fundamentals supported by the price forecast that he puts out. One of the main things that I like to see in the analysis is where we have oversupply and where he thinks that the market might go at the end of the day. His expertise in these balances is key to the outlook. As an analyst, I look at multiple chemicals and uh, knowing that benzene and the aromatic change is primarily, for the most part, a co-product. He's at the mercy of our energy forecast, the complex we paint there. So it's always interesting to see where the energy forecast we put out, he ends up ultimately going with the aromatics products. I always look for uh, the fundamental differences in uh, supply and demand changes and balances and try to make sense of them from an analyst perspective. And seeing the answers come out from the experts that we have, such as Simon, really helps me understand and learn these markets and look for things that typical uh, user would know off the top of their head. But in my perspective, there's various elements of the market that he covers that is just a bit more detailed and only a subject matter in this area would know. That's my favorite part. Thanks. Great answers. Benzene certainly has different things pulling it in different directions. You touched on the methodology there. Any other comments on how we have a, a method of forecasting 24 months ahead? Anything else on the steps that you take to arrive at your conclusions, Simon, Jason? Yeah, certainly. As I mentioned earlier, uh, you take a crude refined products natural gas price forecast that comes out of Argus's brain trust in that area. And you use that to set some lower bounds for the value of aromatics in the fuels pool. And that will give you a floor to your forecast. And then you look at the values that are coming through from the forecast into the derivative industries. And traditionally, benzene derivatives are price sensitive applications. Those industries have grown out of acorns that were sown when benzene was very much a byproduct. So there is a price sensitivity there, whether it's into packaging, into insulation, into footwear, a whole bunch of applications where there is a price sensitivity. So you've, that really sets your upper bounds of where prices can go without really impacting demand. But this is not like an on-purpose petrochemical like paraxylene where you can use production cost 
added to the forecasted cost of your raw materials and hey bingo you get a price and then you look at what the margin needs to be to keep that uh, production going in benzene you're really setting the lower and upper bounds of a forecast track and then you're looking at what the physical supply demand balances might be telling you around how much byproduct is going to be coming through, how much paraxylene production is going to take place, and how much benzene that will kick off. So the first thing that we do is we take that crude and refined product forecast, and we do the paraxylene price forecast, because that's the only on-purpose product in the aromatic suite. Once we have that, that then gives us indications of what our byproduct supply and co-product supply of benzene is going to look like. And then we look at demand and see whether we have a market that's getting tighter or potentially looser and in which regions of the world. Then we apply some basic analysis of what the production costs are in those regions. We then look at what the arbitrage needs to be in order to move molecules between the regions that have it and have a surplus to the regions that don't have it and have a deficit. And that will then determine how the prices are going to track in each of the regions. That's all knitted together back in uh, Houston into a price forecast that has some semblance of sense attached to it. And then that's what goes forward into publication. Yeah, I'll just drive home that it's a highly complex process that uh, we get all of our subject matter experts on a monthly call from our crew team all the way down to the derivative chains to weigh in on where we think the market's headed, looking at the fundamentals, looking at outages, production capability, and we're in region to the next, and always comparing those regions on a global basis, making sure that as a globe, it makes sense and all the way through the value chain makes sense. Uh, we're looking at infrastructure developments, uh, inventory levels, market intelligent, netbacks, and petrochemical product prices, product prices, crack spreads on a refining basis, and Freight rates are always also very, very important. It's something that the globe is really struggling with right now around freight rates and logistics, bottlenecks and issues. Just getting product from one region to the other has been a, a major constraint given all the current situation. So that's all I'd say, but we definitely look at it across the whole value chain and we don't isolate to one product to the other, taking lots of things into consideration. There's a lot of work done behind the scenes. So it's a fully integrated process along the entire value chain. And you've both mentioned energy and the opening steps of the methodology and the energy price volatility obviously makes forecasting challenging and we've touched upon that. But what other key insights can readers take away from the outlook to help make better business decisions? Yeah, I'd say when you're looking at products of this nature that are byproducts and supply demand doesn't have a natural balancing mechanism where if prices get too low, supply gets shut off and if prices get too high demand starts to get shut off i think in this instance the real takeaways on the forecast are direction and what we try and focus on is portraying what we believe the market is headed to on a trajectory very difficult to know with any precision exactly what level that trajectory will take us to. But I think in terms of we see tightening fundamentals, we see an increasing price scenario, or 
conversely loosening fundamentals with a falling price scenario that gives the clients opportunities to look at their business in that context and maybe make some decisions around boosting or drawing raw material inventory looking at uh, any price hedges or cost hedges that they may have in place i think aspiring to do anything more than really accurately trying to forecast direction is probably setting our goals way too high. I think in the instance here, it's really a matter of trying to open everybody's eyes as to what the future might bring, things that that as a client you might want to concentrate on based upon experience and based upon what we see coming down the road for the marketplace, and really trying to determine whether the light at the end of the tunnel is indeed the end of the tunnel or is a train coming in the other direction. And I think that's really what guides us in this. Thanks, Simon. Well, that's all we've got time for today. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you found it useful and insightful. To find out more about the Argus Benzene Outlook or Argus's other chemicals products, please visit www.argusmedia.com forward slash chemicals. Simon, thank you. Jason, thank you very much. Thanks, James. Thank you, James.